The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences. If you are not an adult, please do not let your parents know you're listening to this, and don't repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please drink responsibly. Now that we have all that covered, let's start the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 310 of the podcast. Unless you're joining me live on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube. If you want to catch the show live, subscribe on one or all of those platforms. Turn on your notifications so you know when the show's going live. Like right now. I always like when you guys uh, join live and uh, contribute and more so distract me and make me laugh while I'm doing this. But, um, I also appreciate everybody who's on the uh, audio-only side as well, which is damn near 100% of you. (laughs) Uh, I guess my mom was right when she told me I have a face made for radio. Anyway, folks, today is Monday, April 17th, for those keeping track. I was not able to get to an episode yesterday. Um because you guessed it, did another day trip to Orlando, took the kiddo to uh, Animal Kingdom over there, had a nice little day with the family, got got home pretty late and just exhausted. So um, didn't get to an ap- episode yesterday, so I'm a day late and a dollar short. I'll, I'll give you guys... Um, I'll give you guys half your money back this week on the podcast. All right. Sound good? Um, we can get right into the MMA action. Of course, I'm not going to start with the main event. I'm going to have to talk about the unfortunate circumstances for my buddy, Billy Quarantello, in the co-main event against Edson Barbosa. Such a huge opportunity. For Billy, I was so happy for him to be put in this position. Um, potential to break into the top 15 in the featherweight division. And he was looking good um, for the first two minutes and 36 seconds of this fight. I thought he had a great game plan. He, he did a good job of walking Edson down, not letting him get his... Uh, get his legs loose for some of those big kicks. Uh, he was staying in his face. He was landing some nice clean shots. Um, but got a little bit uh, too predictable with the with the takedown attempts. I thought, um, you know, he he could have he could have tried to stay on the feet a little bit more. You know, mix in the level changes and and stuff like that, but. Um, you know, what are you going to do? He threw a, he threw a front kick, uh, followed by a right hand and then right into a level change into empty space, which Edson Barbosa filled, uh, with just a vicious knee right up the middle. Um, what are you going to do, man? It was a mistake. You know, Billy knows it was a mistake and, um, when you're in there with a killer like Ed Barbosa, there's no room for mistakes. 
you know, this is the highest level of the game here. Um, so he's he's going to take this one and learn from it. Billy's one of the hardest workers uh, I've ever met in this sport. So he's going to be making adjustments and, and he'll be back uh, better and stronger. Him. Yeah, Mark Fellows here in the chat says, win or learn, as they say. True for this fight. Yeah, um, I, I have no doubt that that Billy's going to go back to the drawing board. Um, and knowing him, he, he's already back in the gym working hard. So um, shout out to Billy Q, man. I, I'm still proud of him for getting in there. Uh, under the bright lights in front of a big crowd, uh, co-main event against an elite striker like Edson Barbosa. You know, a lot of people would be scared to get in there with that dude. Um, and Billy did it. So, what are you going to do? You win or you learn, right? So, Billy will be back. And... Um, that's that. All right, let's talk about the main event here. Um, I don't want to sound like, you know, I think I'm Nostradamus or anything like that because I, I very rarely pick fights correctly, which is why I don't gamble on fights and I don't give you guys advice with which to gamble on fights. But um, this fight went down pretty much exactly the way I thought it would. Max Holloway just leading the dance a step ahead of Arnold Allen the whole time. And look, Arnold Allen's a tough fighter. You know, he's very skilled. He's well-rounded. Um, he, he's definitely going to learn from this experience as well. Um, but Max Holloway just has a style where he kind of he kind of lulls you into his game, um, which is exactly what he did to Arnold Allen. Um, you, you know, forced him into a boxing match, which we know Max's boxing is is some of the best in the UFC. Um, and Arnold Allen just kind of found himself playing Max's game. And uh, when you do that, <laughs> that's that's when you start falling into his traps um, it, it must be, I would imagine being in there with Max Holloway. Like he's so, he's such a friendly guy that he just kind of draws you into what he wants you to do. Like almost hypnotizes you. And that's the feeling I got, um, in this main event here. Um, Arnold Allen did have some moments where he shined through. There was, I think he stole, uh, a round or two there, maybe two and five. Um, you know, in the fifth round, he finally started mixing things up a bit, but this fight was the story of Max Holloway. Um, just, you know, showing his excellence. He started out, um, mirroring Arnold Allen going Southpaw to Southpaw, um, and just outboxed him there. And then he slowly switched over to Orthodox, which opened up even more body shots and a couple of nice body kicks. Uh, Cause when you're lined up in opposite stances, uh, those body kicks become, uh, you know, easier to land because you're throwing your rear leg towards the open side of their body. Um, it was a great game plan by Max. He was patient. Um, 
he was super technical as always and just um, showed once again why he's one of the best in the world. Unfortunately, you know, what, what do we do with Max Holloway now? Because he's clearly the second best guy in the division. He's got three losses to the champion. Um, and I don't know if, if 155 will even be an option if if that's where Volkanovski plans to go um, after defeating Yair Rodriguez. So Max might have to sit around and see how that one plays out uh, to see what Volkanovski is going to do. I think if, Vol- if Volkanovski stays at featherweight, um, that Max should move up. I've been saying this for a long time. I think he's competitive at lightweight. Um I think as long as Volkanovski is the champion, he'll get to a title shot a lot quicker at lightweight than he ever will at featherweight. Um, I don't know if there's anything that he could do to to get a fourth shot at Volkanovski at featherweight. Um, I mean, you have to go through and beat the whole roster again. Um, so anyway... Um, not a bad problem to have if you're the UFC. I mean, you have you have two guys in a division who, you know, are clearly your number one and your number two, and you just you can't put them together. So maybe you got to move somebody around a little bit. I think there's a lot of interesting fights for Max Holloway. Um, there's Yair Rodriguez, uh, but he's going to be fighting the champ. He's the interim champ. You got Brian Ortega. We don't we don't need to see that that fight again between Holloway and Ortega. Arnold Allen, he just beat. Josh Emmett's coming off a loss. Um, and then you go down the list. Calvin Cater, he put on a boxing clinic against um I guess, you know, there's Giga Chikadze would be an interesting fight for Max Holloway, but it, you know, is it really fair to Max to put him in there with the number eight guy just because he's beating everybody else? Um, now, if we take a look at lightweight, you could do Max Holloway and Charles Oliveira. That's a great fight. Uh, Dustin Poirier wouldn't do um, just because we've seen it. Justin Gaethje and Max Holloway, that's a fun fight. Benil Dariush and Max Holloway. Rafael Fazeev and Max Holloway. Come on, who wouldn't want to see that? That's a fun fight right there. Yeah, I think there's a lot. There's, there's just a lot more you could do with him. Um, and, you know, I imagine that that cut to 145 is getting tougher as he gets older, because it was never an easy cut for him. Max, a big dude, but here we are. As for Arnold Allen, he's going to bounce back. I think, I think uh, a fight with Josh Emmett would be a a fun fight. You know, they're both coming off of losses, so we could do that. Um, Calvin Cater and Arnold Allen would be a fun fight. Tune in for that one. Um, let's see. Azamat Mirzakhanov. 
against Dustin Jacoby. So this dude, Mirzakhanov, is is a fucking killer, man. Um, he he was just brutal for the first two rounds of this fight. Uh, seemed to lose a little bit of wind in his sails come that third round. Dustin Jacoby just showed his toughness. Uh, coming back, I would say won that third round. Um, good fight, though. Uh, Mirzakhanov is going to be a problem in here. Um, once he gets a little bit more experience under his belt, let's see, he's 13 and 0. This was just his third fight in the UFC, and it was the only the first time he wasn't able to get a finish. So, you know, this was good experience for him. He he was able to go the distance for the first time in the UFC, and. I'm seeing if it was the first time he went to distance ever, but no, he has. Um, yeah, it's going to be good experience for him, and and he's tough as shit, man. 34 years old, though. All right. Well, there's always Bellator. Um, <laughs> Pedro Munoz, unanimous decision over Chris Gutierrez. Uh, this was just this was just a matter of experience triumphing um you know over the young lion here which you know we had a few different cases of of this um on the card and this is just happens to be one where the more experienced guy was able to prevail um he, he was able to put even more of a pace as the fight went on it seemed like um so uh tough Tough goal of it lately for Pedro Munoz. Um, you know, three. I don't want to say losses in a row because it was the no contest with Sean O'Malley, but then lost to Dominic Cruz, lost to Jose Aldo, beat Jimmy Rivera, but then had two losses in a row. Frankie Edgar and Aljamain Sterling, uh, both champions. So no shame in that. I mean, he's had a, a hell of a schedule. Like he's only fought champions and Sean O'Malley <laughs> um, and Jimmy Rivera since 2018. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that, that's a rough schedule, but you know, Munoz, I feel like needed a fight like this to get his confidence back. This was a fun fight. Um, you know, both of these guys have knockout power. So it kind of made it exciting the whole time. Uh, while they were exchanging in there. Um, let's see. Iwan Kutilaba um, just smelled blood in the water when he caught uh, Tanner Bozer. I thought Bozer looked good um, at light heavyweight. It looked like he, he dropped the weight in a healthy way. Um, he looked fit. He looked in shape. He looked strong. Um, I like to see him stay at light heavyweight. I mean, yeah, you know, we all know the the legends of Yuan Kutelaba in the first round. The guy's just an absolute mauler. Um, and if he touches you, uh, you know, anybody in that division has the potential to go to sleep. Um so I think uh Tanner Bozer should just take a little time, regroup, uh, stay in this division, keep that weight off, um, and and you know, maybe learn to be comfortable um, in this new body. 
Uh, and I think he could see some success at light heavyweight. Um, so that's what I'd like to see. As for Kutilaba, man, here's a guy who personally I was hyping him up when he first came on the scene in the UFC. Um, this fight allowed him to bounce back from a three-fight losing streak. Uh, his last win was against Devin Clark back in September 2021. Um, and before that was the disaster. Uh, well, he had a draw with Justin Jacoby, and then he the, just the disaster with Magomed Ankalaev, the first fight where he was doing like the weird playing possum thing, and the referee stepped in, stopped the fight after 38 seconds, and then in the rematch gets himself knocked out for real in four minutes. Um, Mark says Kutilaba is the funnest fighter who will never be ranked. <laughs> it's true, man. Like there are just guys like that, you know, there are guys that, that are always exciting to see fight and the, yeah, they'll probably never touch the rankings, but, um, yeah, I don't know who, I, maybe, Put him in there with Dustin Jacoby. Dustin Jacoby's ranked uh, 13th um, and, you know, coming off a loss. So maybe it would make sense to put those two together again, uh, figure out um, figure out the draw that they had a few years ago. Um, he's already fought Khalil Roundtree. Knocked him out. So he's got wins over guys who are ranked. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I'd say run it back with Dustin Jacoby. Why not? Okay. Um, one of three retirements on the night. Uh, Clay Guida. Throws the gloves down after unanimous decision loss to Hoffa Garcia. Um, you know, I feel like we're 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 talking about one of these every week. You know, it 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 was weird to see Clay Guida in there, um, not with the usual amount of energy that Clay Guida brings to the cage. Um, you know, for however many years he, this dude's been fighting, he's just been relentless um it just non-stop energy non-stop action uh his shots for his takedowns like he would just shoot through guys um and and we didn't see that from him you know he's it looks like time is finally caught up with the carpenter um and he just wasn't able to execute also credit to hafa garcia who just fought a great fight was able to keep guido off of him um you know, sticking and moving uh, and, you know, just fighting with a great game plan. So Clay Greedo retires. I should have looked up some statistics about this um, because I was having this kind of debate with my buddy the other night. Um, I feel like Clay Greedo could be a Hall of Fame level fighter just based on longevity alone, right? I don't know. What do you guys think? You think we put him in there? Is it Should there be a wing of the Hall of Fame 
just for guys who stayed so active and, and were able to stick around for such a long time in the UFC. Because let's look, he was in the UFC since 2006. And before that, he had a fight, one fight in the WEC, which uh, for those who don't know, the WEC had the lower weight classes, uh, which the UFC then acquired and, and brought their champions in. So the UFC used to start at 155 pounds. The WEC had 145, 135-pound weight classes. Um, they had other weight classes as well, but um, you, you tuned into the WEC to see these lower weight class guys uh, scrap, like Uriah Faber and Dominic Cruz, uh, Mike Brown, uh, guys like that, uh, there were some classic wars um, in the WEC. So basically, let's say he's been in the UFC since August of 2006, which is crazy. I mean, he's had his ups and downs, but it, it looks like never more than two losses in a row. Um, he still won... His last fight against Scott Holtzman, uh, who I believe retired after that fight, 41 years old. Damn, just been around such a long time. To be in the UFC for this amount of time, since 2006, and, and to never be cut and to never have more than two losses in a row, I say Clay Guida is a Hall of Famer. Yeah, see, Mark says there's a pioneer wing. Let's stick him in there. I'm good with that. I believe he has a fight in the Hall of Fame, his fight with Diego Sanchez, um, which was just an awesome war. Um, you know, you look at some of the names he's he's fought. He's got He's got a win over Josh Thompson. Got a win over Nate Diaz. He's got a win over RDA, a win over Takanori Gomi, Anthony Pettis, Joe Lozon, BJ Penn, Michael Johnson. Yeah, Clay Weed is a beast, man. And I think. I think being a fan favorite uh, says a lot as well. I think I think if you're going to put Cowboy Cerrone in the Hall of Fame, then Clay Guida deserves to be there as well. Um, you know, people loved watching these guys fight. Um, they they would they would fight on short notice, um, never back down from a fight, and. Again, looking at his record, I'm just impressed with the fact that he's been in the UFC since 2006 and has never lost more than two fights in a row. That's just an incredible stat alone to me. Um, over how many fights? I could count them, but I'm not going to. Um, let's see. My man Fletch says, his longevity is certainly commendable. Him and Arlovsky never seem to break down at all. Yeah, man. I mean, the the fact that he was still getting in there at 41 years old is an incredible feat at 155 pounds. Um, 
you know, if you're a heavyweight and you're 41, like you could still start your career in Bellator. Um, and that's, and that's fine. Um, but to be a lightweight fighting in the UFC, 41 years old, um, he's definitely in, in short company. Um, I'm, I'm pretty positive. I don't think there's a lot of people, you know, under 170 pounds that are sticking around into their forties. Uh, Jim Miller's probably going to be one of them, but, um, you know, Jim Miller's another guy that's just, you know, he's not human. So I don't know my, if I'm on the panel, I'm voting Clay Guida into the Hall of Fame. You guys can let me know what you think. Um, Bill Algio, rear naked choke submission over TJ Brown. So I thought TJ won the first round of this fight. I thought Algio was getting was getting beat uh, pillar to post in that first round. He was swinging a little bit wild, and TJ was countering with just straight shots, um, which is the exact right strategy. But um, – Algio, he he landed a, a nice elbow um, in that second round that really stunned Brown and then, um, you know, got him down, submitted him, and then cuts a damn promo <laughs> against Kansas City, which which came out of nowhere. He was like, he like faked like he was going to retire and then – He's like, I'm just kidding. I would never retire in a dump like Kansas City. And everybody just kind of went quiet because, like, nobody was expecting it. I guess Kansas City's not, like, a rowdy place or anything. So people didn't even really boo him or anything. And he just went, he just went, like, full heel, full Colby Covington, um, <laughs> calls Kansas City a dump. Uh, and then says he's never going to retire. Um, it, it was interesting. I don't know. I don't know what caused him to do that. Um, I've never been to Kansas city. I don't know if it's a dump, um, or not. Uh, but you know, I thought Bill Algio comes out of Philadelphia. So if you live in Philadelphia, uh, and you're calling anywhere else a dump. That makes no sense to me because I've been to Philadelphia and I'm not going to say it's a dump, but it ain't pretty. It ain't pretty. A lot of history there. You know, they got the Liberty Bell and, and the Rocky Steps and uh, and stuff like that, but I don't know. I think I'd sooner go to Kansas City. In any case... Um, I thought it was funny, man, you know, maybe got himself some clicks. Maybe he got a little traction. Um, Bill Algeo is a great fighter. I think, I mean, he's good everywhere. Um, so maybe he just needs to get his name in the papers a little bit more. Brandon Royval, big win over Mateos Nicolau. Um, hit, hit that big knee. And then once he hit the ground, uh, the killer instinct from Royval kicked in. And he was just dropping elbows like they were on sale. Um, and the referee had to get in there and stop it. Um, you know, elbows are always going to look worse than just throwing punches. 
in uh in the ground and pound uh they're gonna sound worse when you're up close to them uh and just visually uh if a guy's taking unanswered elbows as opposed to unanswered punches the referee's gonna be a little quicker to get in there and stop it because uh, there's nothing covering your elbow it's just bone obviously so uh, good call by the ref. Impressive performance by Brandon Royval. Here was the double retirement: Zach Cummings and Ed Herman. Um, this fight, man. Where do I begin? Ed Herman got knocked out like four times in this fight. So, I mean, good for him. He still got a chin. He's he's been around this game a long time. I was talking last week. He's he's got to be the last guy from the original Team Quest that's still fighting. Um, he, you know, coming out of that gym with the legends like Randy Couture, Dan Henderson, uh, Chael Sonnen, uh, Chris Lieben, Evan Tanner. You know they they had uh, they had just a, a legion of great fighters over there. So Ed Herman was part of that team. Season three of the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, his his fight with Kendall Grove on that season was just awesome. It was a war. Ed Herman's been in a ton of wars uh, throughout his career. Uh, the chin's still holding up at whatever he is, 42? I think they said 42 years old. Yeah, man. 42. He had that really weird fight last time he got in there, which was almost two years ago with Alonzo Menafield. I had kind of thought he was retired until I saw last week that he was fighting. Um, but, you know, good for him finally uh, throwing it in. I, I hope he enjoys his retirement. He's put on a lot of great fights over the years. So uh, congratulations to Ed Herman on your retirement. And congratulations to Zach Cummings for retiring after knocking out Ed Herman. Um <laughs> Mark kind of pointing out me contradicting myself, <laughs> saying he got knocked out four times and then saying good for him. Um, <laughs> yeah. Listen, you don't come here for logic. I'm not even drinking anything tonight because it's a Monday night. Probably should be. Should pour one out for Ed Herman and Clay Guida and Zach Cummings. Um, so Zach Cummings, uh, <laughs> Zach Cummings retires, knocks out Ed Herman and retires in front of his hometown crowd. And in the very next fight, Bill Algio calls the place a dump <laughs> with a fake retirement. So I don't know. Is there some kind of problem between Zach Cummings and Bill Algio? Like, why did he? Did, I'm just realizing now, I guess he was like making fun of Zach Cummings retiring in the, in his hometown here. But Zach Cummings, another dude, been around a long time, been in some great fights, bounced around all different weight classes throughout his career. Um, you know, he's fought it. He's fought at light heavyweight. He's fought at middleweight. I believe he even had a fight or two at welterweight. Um, but if you look at his, if you look at his career, as I'm scrolling down here, it's a lot more green than red. 25 and 7, man. That's a very respectable career. 38 years old. 
and you know he's able to do it in front of his hometown crowd with his kids in the audience. So good for him, man. Good for him. Oh, okay, my friend. Eddie Law coming in with the info here. Bill Algio said he called Kansas City a dump because they made a milk called Eagles Tears. All right. And Algio's an Eagles fan. All right. I guess. <laughs> I guess if you're that passionate about it. Man, those... I've I've heard some horror stories about those Philadelphia Eagles fans, though. They're like you go to a you go to a game there, you get spit on and and beat up and all, all kinds of stuff. And they're they're a rowdy bunch over there in Philadelphia. Uh, well, in any case, congratulations to all three guys that retired. All right, let's talk about this uh, this ghost tap. Here, Jillian Robertson and Pierre Rodriguez. So, Rodriguez just getting the shit beat out of her in this fight. Um, she, she didn't even look like she belonged in the same octagon as Jillian Robertson. Um, just getting beat down on the ground. And then Jillian Robertson decides to gift her with an arm bar and a way out. And Pierre Rodriguez taps and then, I guess, made a noise that made Keith Peterson stop the fight. Um, and, and they called it a verbal submission to the armbar. Look, that thing was locked in. She wasn't defending it. She wasn't going anywhere. She was going to get her arm broken. Um, even if she didn't tap and verbally tap, which I'm pretty sure she did both, um, you know, Keith Peterson still saved her from having a broken arm. So she should have been thanking him instead of fighting him. And then she was... She was like getting kind of nasty with Jillian too, saying, you know, I didn't tap. And it's like it's not Jillian's fault. The referee told her to stop, so she stopped. Um, that's that's what makes this a sport. Um, for those who aren't aware. Here's the thing. If if she cries out in pain, that's a verbal submission. And a lot of referees will tell you that. So if you make a noise like something just broke, um, they're gonna stop the fight. Uh, that, that goes for jiu-jitsu tournaments um, as well as MMA fights. So that's the way the cookie crumbles. It's going to go down on paper as a submission due to armbar. Nothing will ever change that. No amount of appeals, uh, no amount of doing interviews and telling people you didn't tap. Um, that's it. You get submitted. Um, time to move on. You had a nice, beautiful undefeated record before that, but um, you know, you ran into Jillian Robertson, who's just, She's just so good on the ground. Um, okay. Daniel Zellhuber. Sounds like he could be like a competitor in, in Zoolander 3. Daniel Zellhuber. Um, this fight with Lando Venata. The, the story of the fight was, first of all, Zellhuber... Um, just beating the brakes off of Venata in the first round. Uh, Jason Herzog did a good job keeping an eye on the action. He knows how tough Lando is. Uh, let it go. Lando comes back a little bit, um, 
but he was just having a hard time with the reach of Zell Huber. And that was kind of the story with the rest of the fight. Um, so there we have it. I'm not going to get into the rest of this card because I don't feel like it. Um, <laughs> so let's take a look ahead at next week. Um, I'm just taking a look at this whole card for the first time. And okay. Looks pretty interesting. All right. So this fight, I feel like, has not gotten enough attention because, okay, Sergey Pavlovich is just an absolute monster. Uh, in this heavyweight division. He's got insane speed for heavyweight. He's got crazy power. He's just knocking dudes out left and right. Curtis Blades is the worst matchup in the division for him. Because he's got the best wrestling pedigree. I know we've got John Jones, who was a junior college national champion. Um, but, you know, as far as wrestling on paper Curtis edges him out there Curtis has power as well he's got um, the ability to make really great game plans this one's going to be interesting and especially if it goes five rounds you know if if Pavlovich can't get Curtis Blades out of there in the first round and a half or so how are we going to see this guy's cardio hold up over a five round main event I think that's going to be interesting um yeah, uh, this fight is important because these these are two really highly ranked guys. Pavlovich's only loss was a TKO loss to Alistair Overeem back in 2018. Since then, he's won five in a row, all knockouts. This man is a beast. His last two fights ended in under a minute against Tai Tuivasa and Derek Lewis. This guy is a problem, man. But if you look at his fights, okay, it looks like he has gone five rounds once back in 2017 in Fight Nights Global. Other than that, this guy has hardly ever been out of the first round. Um, now, we know because he told us uh, that he struggles with wrestlers because he did some training at AKA, and I guess he had a hard time with Daniel Cormier, who would just take him down at will and hold him down. I'm not telling you that Curtis Blades has wrestling that's equivalent to Daniel Cormier's, but, I, I mean, if you're looking at this heavyweight division, he's definitely got the best wrestling credentials of anybody. So, um, And, you know, don't sleep on Curtis Blades' power either. You know, Curtis has the ability to put people out. You know, knocked out Chris Dawkins. What was that other surprising knockout he had? Yeah, knocked out Junior Dos Santos. Shamil Abdurahimov. Knocked out Alistair Overeem. You guys remember that? Who was the only guy to beat Pavlovich. This is a really interesting heavyweight matchup. I'm really looking forward to this one. This is going to be a fun fight. Back at the Apex, 
These are two big boys of being that little apex octagon. All right, co-main event, Song Yudong and Ricky Simone. Uh, this is a really fun bantamweight scrap here. Bantamweight uh, is a is a pretty logjam division right now, uh, but these two guys being in the co-main event spot, you know, they have a chance to make some noise here, um, and and possibly jump up the rankings with a with an impressive performance. Let's see. Brad Tavares and Bruno Silva. That's a fun fight. Okay. I like that. This one is surprising to me. Bobby Green, Jared Gordon. Um, this it's it's a fun fight that that I just didn't expect to see on here. I didn't know this fight was happening. Um it's interesting though. You know, Jared Gordon is gonna be a little bit smaller in there against Bobby Green, but um, you, you know, you got to wonder if Bobby Green's learned his lesson about dropping the hands and like a bit of the showboating after getting knocked out by Drew Dober in his last fight. Um, cause Jared Gordon's going to come with that same kind of energy. He's going to throw good technique, good straight punches. Um, but I think Bobby Green's size might be a little bit of a problem. Of course, Jared Gordon coming off of that controversial loss to Patty Pimblett, uh, however long that was ago. Uh, Jeremiah Wells and Matthew Semlisberger. This should be a really fun fight. Really fun one right here. This might be my sleeper fight pick here. These guys are both good, man. So Semlisberger coming off of that win over Jake Matthews in his last fight. That was back in December. Let's see what Mr. Wells has been up to lately. Five wins in a row. Won his last fight by knockout over Court McGee. That's a tough dude to knock out, too. So, yeah, I keep my eye on that fight, folks. And then uh, Ronnie Yaya, man, still in there doing the damn thing, getting in there with Montel Jackson. Ronnie Yaya has been around a long time, man. Great submission artist. Uh, cool, man. Then we got uh, Junior Tafa and uh, Muhammad Usman, Maro Usman's brother, heavyweight fight. Uh, that should be fun. Tafa's undefeated. Yeah, it's a fun little fight night. I feel like this is going to be one of those cards. Uh, that that surprises a lot of people with how good the fights are. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. All right. Well, it's gonna be a bit of a shorter episode uh, this week. Uh, I don't know what happened to Jeff. I he did say he wanted to jump on the episode this week, but um. I did uh I did start off a little late here, so maybe we already went to bed, but shout out to Jeff the Animal Wilson. Um shout out to my parents who just celebrated yesterday their fortieth wedding anniversary, uh, which I am grateful for because without them meeting and getting married and procreating, I wouldn't be here and be able to do this. So uh big thanks. To my mom and dad, 
Um, I booked them, booked them a little trip to come down and visit uh, on Mother's Day weekend as as a anniversary present. So looking forward to that and do a little getaway with the folks. They spend some time with the grandkid. So it's, uh, it's good for everybody. Um, <laughs> in any case, uh, if you guys want to grab some MMA on the rocks merchandise, you do so through our friends at Team Reaper. Uh, I'll put the links in the show notes. As always, you can use the promo code MMARocks10. Save yourself 10% on your order. Um, what else, man? Is there anything else going on? Let me take a look at the news real quick. I should have somebody doing this for me. You know, like a little... Uh, All right, looks like not a whole lot going on. Okay, <laughs> and that's it for the news. <laughs> so until next time, <laughs> cheers, everybody. Bye. <laughs>